0: Feeling inspired by hosts Ron and Tyler to work on your health? The Movie Buffs podcast is brought to you by Time to Train Fitness, your home for on-demand workouts for every level of fitness. Exercise with amazing certified instructors that want you to push through any barriers. At Time to Train Fitness, you'll find quality workouts across six class formats, including indoor cycling, hit bar, yoga, strength training, and dance cardio. Stream brand new classes, releasing every week in our 450 plus on-demand workout library. Use the link in the description to view all of the membership options and to start a free five-day trial. Get ready to press play on your next workout.
1: Hey everybody, Ron Jam here, and I'm excited to talk to you today about our sponsor. For any of my fellow fitness buffs out there who love to train, you also know that hard training leads to aches and pains, and that's why I love today's sponsor, Royal and Pure CBD. Their philosophy is to enhance your life with pure ingredients that you and your pet can feel good taking. Royal and Pure products combine the healing properties of hemp-derived CBD with other active botanical ingredients to enrich your daily activities and ease the aches, inflammation, and pains that come from being active, aging, Or just daily life. I use their salve on all my achy spots, especially on my recovery days, and I always use their PM tincture to help me get a great night's sleep and recover to hit it hard the next day. They're offering our listeners 20% off at checkout by using code RONJAM20. So if you're interested in checking out their great products and seeing just how helpful they can be, visit royalandpure.com and use code RONJAM20 at checkout for 20% off. Okay, time for the show. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Movie Buffs Podcast, the absolute 100% unequivocally strongest podcast in the world about movies. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Ron Jam, joined, as always, by LT Gray, And you, my friends, are in for an absolute wonderful treat, as this is our first ever episode to feature brand new swampless technology. That's right. Swampless technology, keeping the culitos of these two Movie Buffs dry and arid. Other than that, how's it going today, Tyler?
0: Um... It's a hard question to ask because listeners will probably tell that my voice does not sound the same, but the jokes will definitely be hitting, especially yours. Ooh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I try to be at a um, you know six to one joke
1: hit to miss ratio, um, especially when accompanied by the fact that I edit out all the misses. <laughs> so Tyler, now that we're here, we're back. Anyone might notice we're off schedule like crazy because El Tigre went out and got himself sick. Um, but we're back. We're making bacon and we're talking boo, 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 Batman. I can't wait, Tyler. So let's go ahead and jump right into the warm up so we can get to that big boy working set. Tyler, you
0: got any industry news for us? Oh, yeah. We got a packed episode. Definitely the news has racked up. So we're going to kick it off with, and I know it's already the middle of March. By the time we're <laughs> recording this, and it'll be even later into March hey. when this releases. Goddamn I'm right. Well, right. <laughs> <laughs> With February gone, and we're rolling into March, what was your favorite release of last month? Because I think you saw Death on the Nile. Uh, There was Marry Me, Uncharted, Jackass Forever, Kimmy, Studio 66, Dog, Moonfall, big one right there, and Cyrano. Any of those on your list of favorite movies so far? Uh,
1: My favorite is probably Dog. (laughs) <laughs> I really know. I really thought the chemistry that uh, Charming Taint Man and DOG brought was kind of next level. I mean, a lot of people don't talk about uh, chemistry. They talk about the quality of the film. Was the writing any good? Was there a story? Was it necessary to make it? Like, was it about anything? Does anybody want to see it? And people, I'm like, hey, Charming and the dog were pretty awesome. They got along great. I did not see the movie, but it was probably my favorite.
0: Seeing that I know that we made fun of that movie. Uh, I know that you are... Missing on a joke, but I believe you saw Death on the Nile. And I'm going to move on here, because we got a lot to talk about. MovieWeb posted an article about John Cena that and how he uh, dresses... Uh, about who? And his name is John Cena! Uh, he dresses up as, as Peacemaker at interviews. The reason being, he wants to create some familiarity with the character. And because Peacemaker... Not like Batman, not like Superman, not like a Green Lantern, Peacemaker. So he wants to get it out there, and he relates it to the time when he was in the WWE. When he was John Cena WWE, he would always wear his costume, like his jean shorts, his t-shirt, his chain, all that kind of stuff. Shorts. All the time, because he's trying to make a character that stands out. Oh. First, got to give our weekly love to John Cena. mm 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 Second, <laughs> I've heard of other actors doing similar similar things after a movie. Maybe they're keeping an accent, not to confuse audiences. What do you think about this tactic? I didn't realize that's what he was doing, and that's fucking genius. That's uh, hilarious. <laughs> As somebody who,
1: anybody who tuned into episode three of Back Day, All About Batman... I also wore a costume for a long time because I wanted to be Batman when I grew up. So I got to say, even without the strategy there, if it were me, I would also be in my costume. So the fact that he came up with a reason why he's doing it,
0: genius, my man. I'm going to use that one day. Yeah, that'll definitely explain a lot. But I heard... Oh, a while ago that some actors would keep a accent so they wouldn't confuse the audiences that like maybe heard like a, yeah a, like when they were going on like on a tour. I think it was. Um, like Chris
1: Bale did that all the time. People that, that, didn't yeah, know I
0: he was just, British. Exactly. That's my example of Christian Bale. And I think that I was maybe in that audience. So I was, I was like, uh, where, where is, is this is real accent? Is that what he really sounds like? So like you might see different interviews and you're thinking, what does this guy's actual voice sound like? And
1: it's it's kind of along the same lines, but inverted. I saw an interview with Tom Holland where they're asking him about, you know, his American accent. He's like, if I'm going to be honest with you guys, I don't know how to act with a British accent anymore. And he was saying, I went to do a commercial as Tom Holland. And I go, hey, guys, what's up? And they're like,
0: Tom, you're from Kingston, mate. So that's what happened. I thought your your joke was going to be about he didn't know how to act. But anyways, whammy, we'll move on. Oh, my
1: God. Sorry, that guy's movies have made like $2 billion this year. And yours have made how much?
0: so much more. can't say that he made them money. Go ahead, Shorty. What's next? Next. Anthony Mackie. Big fan of Anthony Mackie. I think he gets uh, not enough credit for actually being funny, Mm -hmm. but uh, he's starting and producing a live action Twisted Metal. Um, I love him as Cap and I love him as Falcon, uh, but I'll say that I was not a fan of his in the second season of Altered Carbon. I don't know if you watched that. Did you like him as Clarence, whose parents had a real nice marriage? a good one right there um but it uh it featured him in a sci-fi role question Uh for you do you think that this is a property that will create some buzz okay
1: we talked about movie uh video game adaptations a couple weeks ago and this is one that i don't know i really don't know because i feel like this was big with teenagers when i was eight and that was like 15 years ago or something Mm mm-hmm Uh, But I feel like it was kind of niche and and not in the... I don't know. I never loved the game. So for me, I don't give a flying shit about it. Uh, So unless unless uh, Mr. Mackey and his production company is looking for a late 20s, uh, early 30s uh, Mexican man. You know, I'm fit. I'm ready to rock. I can star in this movie. I don't care. I'll play the clown. (laughs) That's the
0: one character I know. Quick side note before we go to the next one, because there was a moment in like the last two weeks, it was like a cop role on some show, some movie out that the wife and I were watching and we're like, we both kind of looked at each other we're like, Ron could have played that role. That oh, could yeah. have been Ron right there. It should have been.
1: Matter of fact, God damn <laughs> it,
0: <laughs> I can't even tell you what it was from, but <laughs> we just both could have had that moment like, that could have been Ron right there. <laughs> You're getting out there, my man. Thank you. Excellent one right here. <laughs> So, so March TV streaming releases that came out with Rotten Tomatoes here, and we got some big ones, big ones coming out here. And I want to see what you what you think about them if they're on your radar or anything like that. So we have Halo, uh, we have Moon Knight, we have We Crashed. Don't know what that is. Pachinko, no idea. Our Flag Means Death, which is HBO uh, Max. Picard, Atlanta, Bridgerton, mm-hmm. and Upload. Any of these on your radar? So I'm definitely going to watch Our Flag Means Death. I like Taika Waititi.
1: I like Rise of Fans. I don't like Pirates, but it should be fun. Mm -hmm. I got to finish season two of Atlanta because I was a bad fan and got sidetracked. Uh, I don't remember the other stuff you said. Oh, yes, I'm back at it. Moon Knight, definitely going to watch. As you know, a big Oscar Isaac fan. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've only heard good things about Upload, so I'll probably never get to it. Um, (laughs) And I don't remember the other stuff you said. Oh, Halo. I remember everything. Uh, Halo, I think I, I do want to watch. Yeah. I've seen some good stills. I told you it looks very expensive. And they have already been renewed for Season 2. So let's give it
0: yeah. a shot. Oh, man. I want the best for Master Chief. Um, but, uh, oh, I mean, Paramount Plus has not had anything good come out. So.
1: Don't they have uh, um, Yellowstone that everyone's dick riding?
0: I'm not going to even go too much into that. Because Yellowstone is just obnoxio- ob- obnoxiously... Bad, more like um, yellow bone. Am I right? But the crazy, the craziness with Yellowstone is that you can't even watch it on Paramount Plus. What? After it aired, you, you, you think that I'm making this up? I had, I because I I have the app and I wanted to watch it, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, like we have Paramount Plus, like we'll be able to like watch it when the episodes come out. No, you can't. So after they a new season comes out, mm-hmm. it goes directly onto Peacock because of some deal they worked out. And so they don't even have what? their best series. <laughs> they, they don't have, have their best, be-
1: their like, most yeah. popular series. They don't have it?
0: They don't even have it. It's That's crazy. Dumb. Yeah.
1: I love it. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put it on freaking Quibi. We might as well put it on Quibi while they're at it.
0: <laughs> uh, but uh, Moon Knight, already I'm seeing fantastic tweets come out about... Uh, uh, oh, fantastic we'll sh-
1: Four tweets? Oh, not that, but...
0: Spoiler alert, everybody. Watch out. Okay, so next one here that... It's kind of an interesting one. Um, I'll be the judge of that. Yeah. I saw someone post a tweet, kind of taking a jab at J.J. Abrams, and basically saying that his filmography is embarrassing, and it kind of got me thinking after I started looking at it, because, I mean, without seeing this tweet, I personally think that he makes entertaining movies. Mm. Do I think they're like, oh, wow, like that was so meaningful, I want to watch that again? Not really, but they're entertaining. I laugh when I think about those scenes where uh, I remember I saw the behind the scenes where like JJ, like supposedly like hits the camera himself to like shake it during certain (laughs) things. So I'm like, okay, like he's hitting like million dollar stuff to to give it that extra added like oomph to it. Uh, But it got me thinking and let me read you his filmography. So we have MI3, Star Wars, the force awakens, Star Trek, super eight, Star Trek into the darkness and Mm. Star Wars, the rise of Skywalker. First question for you, are you a fan of his work?
1: Yeah, in general.
0: <laughs> Second question, I believe he has an exclusive deal with WB to create content. Mm-hmm. Is he someone you believe can world build? He can mystery
1: build, that's for sure. And I didn't realize until you read that how few movies he's made. Wow.
0: Exactly. That's weird. Yeah. yeah. it kinda, Yeah. You don't really think about it. You just think, oh, okay, J.J. Abrams, this huge director, but it's not really not a lot uh, yeah not a lot i think uh somebody else the tweet really made fun of him and a lot the responses really kind of dug into it mm-hmm. uh but uh yeah it's he's got some big names on there but yeah are they the the best Is that good i don't know who knows then yeah i, I yeah. if you would ask me before this i thought it would have been like a 30 uh
1: movie long list and i was gonna ask you to stop
0: but no uh, who knows it was kind of short Next one, and this has been a reoccurring topic that we've gone over with dates and Mm. film releases. So recently some shuffles have come around and Uh, right now, (laughs) at the moment, some DC properties are moving down and December 16th has come up with a big day. Because now we have Avatar 2 and Shazam 2 on Mm. the same day. With this being something we've discussed before with release dates mattering and moving forward, how they should probably plan ahead. Do you think one of these are in a budge, or is there going to be some drama come holiday season? I truly
1: believe that WB will change the date again because they like to do that. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I think it's, I understand moving around to like make space for stuff, but it's weird when they shift every movie and they've done it a couple times Because you don't want the fans to lose track of when stuff's coming out, especially for a movie like, say, The Flash that was supposedly in production since 2014 and has already moved back once or twice. It's like (laughs) you're starting to make people lose faith in, like, do you think it's bad or what's going on? Um, Like another movie we talk about that has moved constantly and no one knows when it's coming out. And that's Morbius. (laughs) somebody was talking to me i can't remember who was like oh yeah i can't wait to see morbius it looks good and i went it looks (laughs) um anyway so that's my thoughts on that let's what's next what
0: else we got i thought you were gonna give morbius the new mutants treatment that that
1: it doesn't exist (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, well tyler it doesn't exist so that's why i don't have to talk about it not existing because like i don't talk about vampires all the time because they also don't exist get it morbius vampires
0: moving on And the small joke that you had before we started recording with my falsetto not coming in is definitely, it definitely (laughs) happened right there. I couldn't hit that high note, but (laughs) that's all I got for news. What do you got for me? All right. In uh, local
1: news today, I got off the freeway and it took me roughly 30 minutes, 35 minutes even to get from the freeway, which is 1.4 miles from my house to my house. I'm pissed. Woodland Hills Police Department. Go fuck yourselves. (laughs) Uh, What else we got, Tyler? That's all my news.
0: Well, I think this is news, even though it's a trailer, because we (laughs) got to talk about it, because it's definitely caused a lot of buzz, Mm. and I'm excited. I know, I got a little
1: buzz off it. I shouldn't be driving, but don't tell the Woodland Hills Police Department.
0: (laughs) I'm an optimist. Uh, I'm not sure about you sometimes, but the Obi-Wan trailer Uh uh, got me even excited that I even watched uh, two of the prequels, we'll call them. Um, And... First of all, did you watch it? I did see the trailer. And? Wink. Uh, It looks like
1: Obi-Wan is a creepy peeping old Tom. Uh, It looks like he heads (laughs) off world to fight the Inquisitors. I know people Uh are upset about the head shape and texture of the Grand Inquisitor. Uh, I know the Inquisitor Fortress looks good. It looks very similar to what it was in Jedi Fallen Order. And mm-hmm. I know that Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader will be returning. And I know that I'm going to watch it, but maybe not week
0: by week. Mm, well, I personally had a huge smile on my face uh, watching the whole thing. Obi-Wan's my, my fave. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just loved the Obi-Wan Xbox game. Ooh, back you when it, came it. Out that you, first you're,
1: one. you're the only one who's known as that movie is. So you made I, that up.
0: Yeah, I am no. I feel like I bring it up every single time we talk you about Star Wars. Because uh, you're going to
1: say it enough that people are going to think, like Morbius, that it exists, but it doesn't.
0: Well, it's the only video game that I know of that you could literally throw your lightsaber and control it from there. It was freaking awesome.
1: You ever played Jedi Fallen Order? Nope. Well, that, there you go, bud, that's like one I of said, the things they can do. Nope. Except for We're this, cut on, that out. this <laughs> <is> on PS4 <laughs>
0: with good graphics. Nobody plays PS anything. And yeah,
1: well, my PlayStation did break on me. So also, PlayStation, come fix my shit. Uh, what else we got? Oh uh, well, we're gonna move to our segment. Er- so Tyler, for this next segment, moving on from trailers, do you want me to give us a little theme music to to bring us in?
0: Yes. Okay. Well. For our segment here, that I kind of stole from Watch Mojo, and cut that, cut
1: that, cut that, cut that. Just, just take credit.
0: What? Just, just take credit for it. Take credit for what? Fuck them kids! Just take credit for it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving that in. Go ahead.
0: Okay. Well, okay. getting to our segment here, we have the top ten Batman villains that we'd like to see in the future. So I'm going to read them off, and in round one what we're going to do is see if Ron would like to see them in the future. Cause we've got some interesting ones here and some that, I personally haven't heard of. Mm. Uh, Ron, as we've talked about in previous episodes, he is a fan of the comics. This is one of his, if not his favorite character. Mm -hmm. And he also plays the video game, I think. Ooh, we'll find out. We'd have to ask his wife about that if he does play the video game. But
1: anyways. Uh, Tyler, um, we've already discussed I can't play the video game currently because my PlayStation's (laughs) broken. PlayStation, come get your boy. My shit's wrecked.
0: Okay, so first one here. If you would like to see them in a future movie, ventriloquist.
1: Um, yeah, sure. Have them already in jail because that sounds like a boring adventure. Okay. Calendar Man. Yes, I love his uh, uh, some of his arcs with like the long Halloween and stuff. I don't know if that was whatever, but yeah, he kills on special holidays. And he actually, Calendar Man is in the Suicide Squad, played by Sean Gunn. So too late, you bitch.
0: Mr. Freeze.
1: Absolutely. Poison Ivy. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on which one they use, like which uh, backstory and personality, but yeah, she could be fun.
0: So this one is, of course, there's a caveat with it and we'll talk about this later on, but the Joker. That's, that's, uh, yeah, but wait a while. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that in our next, (laughs) once we get to our main set.
1: Court of Owls. Yes, but again, not to spoil anything with the Batman, they would need to wait a while to put some space in there because of the, the storyline that brings about the Court of the Owls might be, um, treading on very similar water to what happens in the Batman.
0: Mm-hmm. Professor Pig, again,
1: uh, yeah, maybe a side quest for a murderer that he's a uh, he's got to capture. Mm-hmm. Hush. Shh. <laughs> is that yes <laughs> <laughs> moving on yeah, yes uh clay yes I, I my only thing with clay face is how would they do it because of the people on here he's the only one with supernatural powers he can yeah. turn into a giant mold of clay and turn into other stuff although there is different clay clay faces clay feces um and i believe the original one was just a guy who would do like special effects makeup and look like other people more like the chameleon from spider-man Hmm. But yeah i think he'd be interesting even if they did bring in like him as some sort of super um like mutated person or something and, and made him like this horrible monster for batman to fight it'd be a cool exploration if you find out that he's not a horrible monster he's just a man who's trapped in this horrible gelatinous form and that maybe society is the real monster hmm. for casting him out scarecrow yeah, but I hope they give him more to do than Killian Murphy had to do in the Dark Knight trilogy. He was excellent, obviously good movies, but I felt like his character was underutilized because he never really got a backstory or mm-hmm. much of a resolution. He just kind of kept showing up and getting beaten up, and then that was it.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you, Hush, again, can you give a back? Do you know like enough about that character?
1: I can, but for reasons that will be
0: uh, talked about later, we will talk about it after our review. Okay, well... I want to put something in here. Cause like, someone would be like, whoa, like who's hush. <sighs> just don't just give like a quick explanation of like, yeah, I'd love to see hush. Hush is actually
1: uh, a character who was Bruce Wayne's childhood friend who grew up very um, jealous of his, his family's wealth and his privilege and spoiler alert for the comics. He ends up coming back. He's a very successful plastic surgeon, plastic surgeon who actually makes up his face and redoes his whole face to take on Bruce Wayne's persona and starts impersonating him. And then his evil counterpart is a a character covered in bandages, whose face we don't see until later in the story, who goes around murdering criminals and good guys. And basically, he's impersonating both Batman and Bruce Wayne in his quest for uh, stealing Bruce's
0: life. Hmm. Interesting breakdown there. (laughs) Round two now. Who are your top Was that all ten? (laughs) Yeah. Damn. Round two here who was your top three that you would like to see in you know, a Matt Reeves film of Batman? Mm. So
1: my top three Batman villains, honestly, one that I would really like to see that I don't think we get very much play with is
0: I'm going to think about it. Cause I didn't have an answer.
1: <laughs> you know, do we, um, do we have to stick to this list?
0: I mean, it's up to you. Your, okay. those. you are one
1: of the hosts okay <laughs> so I'm gonna break away from this list and two of the three I'd really like to see in the and a Matt Reeves uh, Batman universe are not on this list uh one would be Azrael uh, Azrael is from the I forget the uh the order of Saint Dumas and it's like a peacekeeping organization and they basically dress like knights and carry swords and they kind of do a Batman thing hmm. um, and one of them a guy named Jean Paul Valley actually takes over for Batman in a nightfall storyline after he gets his back broken but he is a much deadlier version of Batman and they end up fighting to get the, um, the Batman title back. And speaking of the nightfall storyline, I would like to see a good version of Bane, right? In my eyes were over two on Bane. Bane mm. is a South American man. He is uh, smarter than Batman because he spent his whole life in prison and all he did was study. So he's smarter, stronger, more skilled than Batman. Uh, he's a South American man. Uh, and most of the time, he's not really a villain as much as he's kind of like Craven is Craven. The Hunter is to Spider-Man in that he sees a target that he wants to best. And so I think it'd be a really interesting case to see maybe after some stuff that happens in the Batman, some guy who has this super powered venom, or maybe he doesn't have the venom yet comes to Gotham to maybe try his hand at helping out because he sees maybe the Batman as a, um, be half measure or somebody that can't get the job done. So Bane comes to town and I'd love to see a good Bane. Uh, And then number three would be circling back to Scarecrow. I think Scarecrow hasn't got his fair due. He was one of the planned villains for the continuation of Tim Burton's series of Batman movies. He was also planned for the fifth Batman movie, the one after the Batman and Robin. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really interesting character. If he had a full story arc to show how somebody uses fear back against Batman. And it's a really good um, kind of juxtaposition of these two people using fear. And again, kind of not to give away too much about what happens in the Batman, but Batman has to confront some of his methods there. If every villain he sees kind of forces him to confront his methods, then maybe this universe can move and progress toward a maybe more even sci-fi Batman who could maybe one day be a part of a justice league by developing his moral code, even more refining his technology by fighting these people that are all dark reflections of himself. That's why I listed Azrael uh, or the, um, uh,
0: the order of St. Dumas um, Bane and Scarecrow. Yeah. The interesting part of this, uh, I'm sure we'll touch on later on with the no superpowers. That's something that Matt Reeves has come out and said that, none of the characters moving forward will have any type of superpowers to keep it as a grounded universe so with the Mr. Freeze element and i have i believe i've seen some reports of him talking about some type of grounded Mr. Freeze which i don't know how any of this comes about uh, you know comes to life but it would be interesting uh, but that was something that was a big part i watched recently a breakdown of Uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman's and Mm. that was a big part of it was the grounded part of it so how to make a superhero that someone can potentially see it being realistic and there being superpowers so um, yeah I feel like I feel like Mr. Freeze can be done pretty grounded because he
1: doesn't have any powers he's just a a very large very skilled man with a lot of technology Mm. and honestly the whole let's do it grounded I i I I like Christopher Nolan. I like Matt Reeves, but that's bullshit. We don't want to see superhero stories because they're grounded or super real. Like, yeah, let's have that as a jumping off point and let's evolve. I talk about this in last week's Back Day, All About Batman, where I go in depth about why Batman means so much to me, uh, the ins and outs of the characters, my history with them, and why I think Ben Affleck doesn't get enough credit. Well, in that episode, one of the things I talk about is the fact that everyone's so interested in keeping all the villains grounded in the street level. You Mm -hmm. take away... One of the things that makes Batman so special, and that's that he doesn't give a shit if you can fly through a building or pick up the moon. He's still going to try to fist fight you. And he's an insane man who will do anything to try to do what's right. And so if everybody else is just another dude with gloves on, like, who cares? They're, in order to keep upping the stakes or to, to hit some of those elements, like I said, about a Batman who keeps honing and refining his skills and trying to make himself better, there has to be some escalation. And at some points he has to be physically outmatched on top of just being mentally outmatched or, you know, stopping a threat to civilians. And I think by having this hard and fast, no superpower rule, you're limiting it because that is a huge part of the universe. It's not like you're going to a James Bond movie and saying, Hey, one of these guys can fly now because that's different. But in Batman, there's always at least a hundred guys who can fly in his world and they live across the Harbor. So whatever, let's move on. I'm I'm pissed.
0: (laughs) Well, well, Let's hear your round three elevator pitch on how you would pitch your top three future villains in one film. Okay. So I kind of hinted at
1: this already. I don't want to spoil anything at the end of the Batman, but let's just say after the events of the Batman, obviously Gotham has changed a little bit. Uh, Batman has become a little more well-known. And so we start off Batman's well-known stuff has happened with the Riddler stuff has gone down, whatever, whatever. And like I said, Bain decides to step in and be like, you know what? I don't think this guy's doing a very good job. I've come up now. I've escaped the island of uh, Santa Prisca. I've taken it over. This is now my island nation. I want to go around and fix other places like I did here. And I want to go there and prove my skill because people are saying how awesome this guy is or this and that. I'm going to go handle it. Meanwhile, you have a guy like Scarecrow, who's now seizing power in the vacuum of some stuff that's happened with other bad guys. And he's out there. Again, he's seen Batman's, he's following Batman's example of striking fear into people's hearts. Maybe even this Scarecrow could be part vigilante. So Batman is accosted on both sides by these. And now he's got to, again, face up to his shortcomings and try to evolve and refine his technique and his skills and test himself as the batman and it could even be a two parter what ends with bane overcoming batman breaking his mother back and then part three could include the azrael storyline but again we don't need to go that far we don't need to, to take batman out just yet i think that's a problem that a lot of movies do second movie the good guy always loses his powers but it'd be cool to see him come up against a
0: physical threat as well as just a guy who's sneaky I like it. I like it. So we're going to move on now and give a little, another plug. Unfortunately, with me getting sick, that uh, it didn't quite work in terms of how we wanted to lead up to this episode. But it's all about <laughs> Batman. Ron talked about what's in it, and he talks about how Ben Affleck is a good good Batman, I think he did. But, uh, <laughs> but anyways, uh, check out the <laughs> latest episode of Back Day. It's a bat-themed episode. All Ron- Talking about it, 15 minutes, great episode to listen to on your drive to work or on your way home, whatever that might be. But check it out. There's going to be a link in the description for it. What's next? As we move to now our main set, and this is one that we've both been excited for and one that we've been planning for. uh, We actually have a slightly different arrangement for it. We're not just going to go through, review, spoiler, non-spoiler. We're actually going to talk about different items from the movie, and ultimately give some recommendations at the end. But The Batman, that is our main set here. Director Matt Reeves, Uh, if you watched the newer Planet of the Apes, he did the last two. He did The War for Planet of the Apes and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. God, they were so good, by the way. (laughs) He did Let Me In and Cloverfield, and an interesting piece that I actually saw Prior to recording today, and I didn't know this about him, but he was the co-creator of Felicity with J.J. Abrams. Wow. He's a friend of J.J.'s, which I'm guessing helped him. And then another one to kind of stir the pot here that I found on on his trivia was that he was on a short list to direct the 2013 Man of Steel. Wow.
1: Before we move on, I want to ask, Tyler, do you think that his relationship with J.J. Abrams and his past connection to Man of Steel lends any credence to the idea that this Batman might interact with the J.J. Abrams Superman um, universe and movie that's in development for two years from now?
0: Mm. Because I do. You do? Well, now I do. Okay. I don't know, but uh, it's exciting to think about. So exciting. The cast for this one, pretty... Oh, when we actually were driving home from this one and I was kind of just going through things, uh, talking them out with my wife about what my thoughts were with this cast. And I mean, it's a great cast. Yeah. And I think the walkaway that I said was this cast can act. They all are great <laughs> actors. All these actors are acting. <laughs> They're not just there for the looks, yeah. and well, even though I might backtrack on that later on when we talk about <laughs> one of these actors, wow. I'm gonna say that right now. But uh, Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Jeffrey Wright, Colin Farrell, Paul Dano, John Turturro, Andy Serkis, Peter Sarsgaard—pretty big actors there. Yeah.
1: What do you think? I dude, Johnny Toots brought it. <laughs> uh, Bobby Patton. I'm sorry, Rob Battenbat. Bat freaking brought it. Zoe Kravitz. Oh my God. She brought it and she brought those cheekbones. Jeffrey Wright, phenomenal. Colin Farrell, Will Farrell's little brother. I heard <laughs> he brought it. I think he was one of those people that was opposite of there for their looks. He brought it and his freaking prosthetics were amazing. Paul yeah. Dano. Oh my God. Poor guy. He's so good at being so creepy. I'm like, <laughs> how was his regular life? I hope he's one of those actors who can just turn it off because he was amazing. Andy Circus. Awesome. I don't want to talk too much about it. I guess I can't say. I wish we got more Alfred in this movie. Later, Um, But there was so much mystery that there wasn't a whole lot of Alfred time, but I thought he was great. Peter Sarsgaard. That guy just shows up and kills it. And speaking of killing it, his wife was actually killed in a Batman movie (laughs) about 14 years ago. He's married (laughs) to Maggie
0: Gyllenhaal. Well, premise of this one, will you walk us through it, Ronald?
1: So the premise is that after the murder of his parents, Orphan billionaire. Oh, wait, no, we don't need that. Okay. Okay. So we'll start with the movie. So much like this movie, I'm going to start with the action. When a when the Riddler, a statistic serial killer begins murdering key political figures in Gotham, Batman is forced to investigate the city's hidden corruption and question even his own family's involvement. It's saw, it's Chinatown, it's a little bit of Blade Runner, it's Seven, it's Batman, it's action. You're going to like it. I think that's not my recommendation. This is I loved it, you will too. <laughs>
0: Well, what I was seeing for this episode, which uh, we haven't done, but I think it's appropriate now that we actually hit the spoiler alert. If you have not seen it and you are planning to see it, which you should definitely go see it. Uh, But moving forward, everything can potentially be a spoiler.
1: Yep. 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 And plus, okay, this movie's made like $800 million. It came out (laughs) like 10 days ago. A lot of people have seen it. You need to see it. I've seen it twice. And it's three hours long so go see it go see it hey go see it hey you go see it hey kevin go see it hey you hey sonia you better see it Cece, go see it uh drake go see it eminem you better go
0: see it tyler go see it i have seen it and i i was planning to see it i wasn't talking to you let's go back to a little bit of the back of maybe like the the movie Cause I believe we talked about this in our first iteration of the podcast when it was first announced that another Batman was in the works. And I think it was probably the Joker um that when that came out, I feel like it opened up the door, like, okay, films that are not connected to the other ones and they're just well made, mm-hmm. I feel like that can work. You agree? Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. Like I was saying before, it, it- It's one thing if the movies develop and you see this Batman turn into somebody who could hold his own against a green lantern or whatever, like he keeps getting more advanced and then integrate him. Or even like as the story goes on, if that becomes a necessity for the world to get bigger, but to just start it with the idea of, okay, this has got to be within three hours. This guy has got to be in outer space. Stuff starts to get wonky there. Mm But So I, I love it when they come in, like we have an idea for a story and Matt Reeves even said, he's like, I didn't write this to make more. I wrote this to make this. And yeah. I think you really feel that like, sure, it's it's a Batman movie. They're not going to be like, OK, everybody's dead at the end of the planet exploded. There's always going to be room to make more. But it's so much better when you write it to contain itself. And then, you know, you can have ideas that can be picked up later. But this yeah. story is fully self-contained. It's well-made, well-acted, uh, uh, and it <laughs> looks great. Yeah, I agree. We can talk great all this. I know I heard it looks so great because they use kind of like the volume there and it, mm-hmm. uh, like they do in the Mandalorian. And my God, does it help with lighting? It just feels like you're somewhere and somewhat. I, I, I enjoyed Zack Snyder's justice league and man of steel and stuff, but so much of those movies sometimes are not man of steel as much, but Batman versus Superman for sure. They feel like they don't take place anywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. This is one of the gripes I had with um, Spider-Man no way home is that it kind of feels like it doesn't take place anywhere. It feels like it was on a soundstage. stage. And that was it. Like, it it doesn't feel real. And so much of this movie feels grimy and real. Even stuff that you know is for sure CGI, it feels yeah. like people are there because the lighting is good, because the volume, and I, 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 I'm I'm
0: gushing. I know, and I know you're getting excited. So we got to get to our topics here before you just start going through everything. What were your first thoughts on the bat suit? So
1: upon the initial like first look release with the red font, I didn't like the cowl. I thought I showed too much of his face, and it looked a little daredevil-y, but now having seen it in action and throughout the movie, I really enjoyed the suit. I still, I prefer my Batman with a little bit of a um, bulkier neck and like the short-eared cowl, uh, kind of like the Jim Lee picture that I posted as our key art for last week's back day, which you can check out of the link in our bio, <laughs> but I prefer my Batman with shorter ears and a slightly like wider set helmet, but mm-hmm. I liked it. I thought it really worked for what he was doing. Um, And the suit itself I thought was wonderful. I really like there's spots where you can see that he's just added extra armor. Like maybe he Mm -hmm. got stabbed once in the arm and now there's like on his left arm, there's just an extra pad on his bicep. That's not the other arm. And you can tell he adds stuff as he goes. And it, it kind of has like a homemade look, but in homemade by the world's smartest man, which it was. Mm. One piece that I really liked about this bat suit. And I don't think people are talking about it enough is the utilitarian aspect of him having his spring loaded, uh, Grapnel guns in his gauntlets mm-hmm. so it works twofold right one he doesn't have to worry about dropping it which happens in every batman movie he gets it kicked and he goes oh no and he drops it so it's nice that he has it spring loaded in each wrist at all times but two and i think this is the reason why matt reeves did it is if it's spring loaded it's then attached and wired through his full body harness right that we know is shotgun proof and mm-hmm. can fall off a building so when he launches his grappling gun you don't have to wonder why is this guy's arm not ever come out of socket you know, when he's jumping off a building and catching himself at terminal velocity. Well, it's Mm -hmm. because he's not. The armor is dissipating the weight and it supports him as he goes through there and can carry stuff.
0: And I thought that was a really neat little inclusion. Yeah. The impression of the bat suit, and this was like in the first, I feel like it was in the first like 20 minutes that I had was, it was definitely different Mm. with everything that you just said, but I immediately noticed how loud it was. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if that was just by... It was, I'm sure it was, By that was by design, the approach that they were going for with- It kind of sounded like a cowboy fears. Spurs. Exactly. That's actually what that I was, wrote there, Western Spurs <laughs> South. That was cool, yeah. And like, at first I was like, oh, but I thought Batman was supposed to be stealth and he's supposed to be in the darkness. But with it being the spin of fear and the approach <laughs> of trying to create, you know, a whole, whole, the whole vengeance approach, You know, it was one of those things where- it goes it goes with it with what they're trying to do with it, like yeah. it fits it that and who's to say that in the future that he is not more stealthy that he's not more um able to hide in the dark or move so quickly that you know you just never hear or see him,
1: yeah, I think probably- definitely by the next movie, all those like I said those separate little like add on patches will have been integrated into the suit, and it's gonna become more and more streamlined. I wouldn't be surprised if two or three movies from now it looks kind of like. Almost like the skin-tight bodysuit, but obviously bulkier mm-hmm. to be more streamlined. I really did love, though, that they stuck with the gray because I love a gray Batsuit. I don't like an all-black Batsuit. I don't like it at all. <laughs> I love that it was still gray. One of the things I really liked, too, and you mentioned about him lumbering and making all this noise to incite fear, we didn't see him do any of his Batman like swoop down and drops. And it's not till the third act of the movie that he does a really stealth takedown of somebody. So again, you see, I like the process of seeing him. He's not an it's not an origin story, but he's developing into the Batman we all know. And I really liked that he does not run after a bad guy. He'll step out of the shadows like Michael Myers and he'll walk towards you, making all the noise in the world
0: because he knows you are not getting away, and so do you. The one thing that we'll talk about before we go to the next one here is with the logo because i I remember seeing tons of breakdowns and people trying to theorize what the logo was was it the gun that killed his parents and who knows maybe it (laughs) does become that in the future like i said spoilers are coming for uh are gonna be coming at your heart here uh but it was cool to see actually how he used it and not to go too much in the gadgets that he used with it but i i liked when he would just pull it out. I think it was maybe two yeah. or three times where he would just pull it off of his chest and use it to cut things or um, to cut tape, whatever it was. But it was just something that was practical. I thought that was a cool feature.
1: Yeah, I thought it was really cool. And just using it as a cutting. It's basically the only batarang he uses in the whole movie and it's the one right on his chest.
0: Very cool. I think we're both... Uh, I For me, probably not as excited as you with it, but I liked how it all just fit with the theme of the movie. I think that that was my biggest take with it just fit it's different from my perspective but it fits with what they're trying to do with it yeah like everything felt in in its place and for a reason yeah exactly and that's a good segue now to now matt reeve's approach versus other batman characters and universes so with dcu we have joaquin phoenix's joker Uh, we have three different versions of batman at the moment (laughs) um but what we've said already is that it's a standalone it's a standalone that it's not connected to King's Phoenix Joker but you know thematically this whole neo-noir aspect of it oh, I mean I know I've already heard people talk about it how it would visually match up which would be cool because both well-acted movies but uh, the timeline would be off with the ages of Joker and Bruce yeah. Wayne. That's it in it. Make, it would make Bruce fifty. <laughs> but I did hear a, th- a theory out there that if that if Joaquin Phoenix potentially inspired a future Joker, since there are different iterations of the Joker mm-hmm. and criminals in Gotham, but um, them not being connected and the approach that we saw with it and the other characters. I think that it kind of opened, and this is where we'll, we'll talk about the whole no superpowers and the whole Joker thing coming coming into it at the end. With it, I mean, that coming with the Joker in the second one, do you think that that is something you're excited for? Because, I mean, there was tons of theories already with uh, who this character would be.
1: Uh, I know. I feel like Joker is a big part of it, but he needs a rest. We've had... yeah. Two good Jokers, one bad Joker, two different Jokers on the TV. Uh, There's been a Joker that got murdered in uh, Titans. There's a Joker on the Batgirl series right now that's just they're both kind of out of frame. Like it's just they're overusing the character. Mm -hmm. And part of what makes him good and makes him interesting is his volatility and his unknowableness. That's why I was so upset that they made a Joker origin story. And I pitched this a few episodes ago that I think the only way they can redeem that is if this joker is telling a story and we reveal that the whole first movie we saw was him spinning a yarn and he's making it up he doesn't even really look like that maybe he has the scars maybe he is bleached white and then he can tell us another story or he breaks out and begins other jokering that Mm -hmm. joker could even be a part of this universe if we see that he's telling that life story from joker one to robert Pattinson's batman who goes that doesn't make any sense you're only 40 years old now how are you 38 in 1984 and joker just laughs and he goes "Oh, well, this guy is no help and you move on you're like oh well so he made that story up what the f or there is a storyline called batman Endgame. i'm looking at it right now i haven't finished reading yet mm-hmm. but it is right above my desk and it reveals that maybe the joker or one of the three jokers is an immortal like um chaos deity or he's not and he d- doctored photos and and documents to make himself look like he's lived forever but that also could be a thing we don't know anything about the joker for sure and that's the point
0: mm-hmm. from what i heard the scene that's in the in the movie i i heard that there was actually a longer version of it yes and there's a previous scene that sets that one up yeah I, it's interesting to to think about I, i'm in a similar boat as you that it would be nice to see some time between joker iterations and all the different versions that are out there um but i think the interesting aspect of maybe potentially why it's coming so quickly is that for me watching it walking away i feel like one of the things i said too was i feel like there's less action there's less fighting in it it's Mm. more detective work more story building with the characters all the the rogues gallery of villains that are out there and how we get to know them and see their backstory um what do you think about that I think that I don't, I wouldn't say necessarily there's less
1: fighting. I think there's fewer fight scenes, which Mm -hmm. I actually really appreciated instead of it being like, you know, 30 minutes action scene, 30 minutes action scene, like everything stops for a fight. Mm -hmm. Everything that happened action wise was completely in service of him trying to reach his goal. He doesn't like stop to fist fight somebody. Mm -hmm. He does it because they're in his way and he fights with the abandon and anger as if every single person he hits is the person who personally killed his family. Um, And I think probably if you counted it up, he beat up more guys in this movie than he has in probably any of the other ones. Yeah. I appreciate that. But it was all integrated in the story, right? Every single fight, it was just because it had to happen. Never like stopped for him to just go do something random. And I appreciate that.
0: I think what I said after was that it wasn't like watching a Marvel movie where you watch and you want to see these insane fight scenes, CGI, all this kind of. Of an action blast in your face that mm. is just nonstop. it was more story yeah. it was more everything had a purpose in it which you want in a movie yeah. which you want to get more out of it I feel like that was why the even the Joker why people that were probably not even fans of comic book comic books went to go see it because yeah, there's, there's it not, not one fight. fight scene in that movie he does shoot some people but well, that's it <laughs> yeah. there's more to it it's yeah Something that you're going to make you think or, you know, look at the visuals, all that kind of stuff that, oh, wow, like this is just a well-made movie. Yeah,
1: I was saying that too. I was like, this would be a very good movie if you removed Batman altogether. If it was just some detective who could fight, right? And you give him a couple gadgets because obviously there's like the scene where he jumps off the building. But if it was just a spy or like a retired spy who had to help out a mystery, like it would work. Uh, You could drop Ethan Hunt in there. You could just drop in some very skilled guy. It doesn't have to be an IP. And it's a really good movie still. And I think that speaks volumes because, again, I love the movie. It looked like it took place nowhere. Yes, that's one gripe. My other gripe is that Spider-Man No Way Home, if you didn't have Spider-Man in it, he didn't have Doctor Strange in it, or you've never seen Spider-Man, that movie makes absolutely no fucking sense. It's not a movie without the IP. And that's fine, because it is a movie in an established, in an uh, established pro- in, in a intellectual property. But without that intellectual property, it's not a movie. So it, it can't stand up on its own. And that's where I feel like this movie really stands head and shoulders, is that story-wise, it is an entirely self-contained entity. And it's a bonus that you have
0: one of the greatest uh, fictional characters of all time involved. yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the pieces that I'll throw in here, cause I don't think I, I'm going to bring it up later on is with the second time wanting to go see it. I wanted to see if you could point out anything that, you know, with the joke, sorry, with, uh, the Riddler, was he anywhere before that potentially uh, there's like a corner that's outside <laughs> of, uh, the, what is it called? The, the club. Mm-hmm. Do you see him potentially? From what I've heard from other people that there's potential for like the window right there, Mm. but that's something I wanted to go see again. Like, Uh is there anything that I could point out that you see later on that go, wait, this is that from there. Um, But
1: uh, that'd be interesting.
0: I got to do that. So now moving on to the Batcave and the gadgets, because we look, think about past Batmans, whether it's uh, Ben Affleck. Christian Bale, or any of the p- previous two or three Um, <laughs> gadgets. Gadgets are a big part. And even the Batcave and mm-hmm. how they use the Batcave. And this one, uh, we don't really see it that much, but it's an interesting take on it. Yeah, And from what my take on it, from what I, I've researched on it, it's uh, a part of the Wayne building in the Wayne Terminus. Yeah, And my guess is that it was an old train station, and this was, and it's located at the bottom of the building that he lives in at, at the current moment. So he's mm-hmm. not actually in Wayne Manor um, at any point in this movie. Yeah. So that will be an interesting piece as well to see is how they bring Wayne Manor into it, how they upgrade the Batcave, and how that evolves as he grows his tech at the same time. What do mm-hmm. you think about the Batcave? One, I'm glad they did something a little different. Obviously,
1: every movie's try to do something different with it, and it's good. I mean, you see the same places a lot. It's good to update them. I thought it was a smart thing to do to put it in the uh, the train station at the center of the city because it helps him to be places faster, uh, and also the abandoned way. Uh, the abandoned train station was part of the renewal foundation. So it was part Mm. of that renewal project that never got finished. So nobody goes there. And it also works as a metaphor for his father's grand ambition of renewal falling below the surface, right? It fell apart. Mm. It succumbed to the underworld in a way, because that's where it lies. That's the only thing left of it. And it's filled with weapons of a vigilante and it's abandoned. Yeah. Uh, One thing I did want to speak on before I move too much further in the fights, I really enjoyed that. They, they kept it, tight and grounded they kept his attacks more strategic and less head buddy than christian bales and less (laughs) operatic than Batflix. i did love Batflix, but uh less operatic uh one thing i did like that they included it was very similar to the arkham asylum uh fighting styles so you'll notice a few times when he's getting attacked by multiple enemies he'll do a cape parry which i think is triangle on ps4 and what he does is he'll flip (laughs) his cape across their face as they're attacking so it Diverts them the way a matador would, but also as your, his cape is in front of you, his body mass now has a chance to move out of your line of sight, so it causes people to miss their attacks. I love seeing him do that a few times. Uh, specifically, he does it to the cops when he's waking up in the interrogation room after being bombed. Uh, and the other thing I liked he was doing was um, the parry move. Sorry, not the parry move. The disarm move you could do, at, I believe, is square where he'll catch someone's incoming weapon bonk him on the head with it and then throw it at somebody else to take him out he does it a couple times with people holding uh, <laughs> shotguns and rifles he does it with a bat notably and then there's a couple times where he'll take someone's gun and just snap it in half mm-hmm. and i thought it was fun uses of like combat we've seen before to make let us know that okay this guy is badass um but to also show us that he's going out of his way to not kill people right he doesn't keep the bat and just bash the guy in the face with it till he's dead he hits him once knocks him out throws it at another guy knocks him out and leaves the scene and i thought that was a really cool um moment to show that okay this is not a killer batman he goes out of his way not to kill anybody and he even has the line to gordon when they're going into wayne manor to the orphanage on the property he says no guns and he goes man that's your rule and batman's <laughs> like yeah you're right you're a
0: cop you're allowed to have a gun <laughs> yeah yeah i thought uh a piece that actually fit into it in terms of this being and i don't know if we've said this yet with this being a second year it's not an origin a full origin story but when he does the whole glide off the the building, and <laughs> I think, I, I know that me personally, when you see standing up there, he's looking out there, you're like, okay, he's going to do something really batman here. And then all of a sudden, he just bombs it at the end. It just like rolls off the side. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's pretty on point with yeah. second year. He's not as uh, polished, maybe. He's yeah. not as polished as a, as a Batman that we're traditionally seeing, where he just does all these fancy moves, <laughs> and he's so... Well polished with all his combat, he yeah. literally just eats it at the end. <laughs> I love seeing that too. And then he like flips the switch back
1: into serious mode in the very next scene. Right. Yeah. One of the things I really liked about that too is he's running up and he's all serious and he knows he's going to escape. And he gets to the end and you see him go, oh, like he yeah. pulls his hands out and he goes, oh my god, okay, I'm really going to try this right now.
0: Yeah, and
1: that's cool seeing that evolution. And it's, yeah. I feel like because we've seen the origin so much, it's fun to see other stuff develop.
0: Agreed. Agreed, right? I mean, that goes right into the next piece I was going to talk about with the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. I think I was probably a little more excited than the rest of like the audience when we saw it. <laughs> but I thought it was kind of funny, too, like when it stalled out. Like, yeah. yeah, another item that it just kind of stalls out there. But once it did beef up, I'm like, oh, oh my God,
1: f- things badass. It's, yeah, this <laughs> Batman definitely has my bet, my favorite taste in, like, his Batmobile car. is just a dope ass, like, Challenger, Charger. And mm-hmm. then he has that Stingray. He drives a funeral. But I, I yeah. really love that. And when you see it stall out, because... Throughout the movie, you literally see the, the engine behind his desk and he's trying to put a freaking jet engine in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, he's currently building it. So this might have been the first time he used it. And he's like, yeah. I hope this doesn't blow up and kill me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I will say though, with the chase scene, uh, I'm probably, I, I know I'm in the minority with it. To be honest, I kind of felt like they could have filmed that like in some humongous warehouse that was just like dimly lit because mm-hmm. I, I didn't really know like wherever they were driving (laughs) because it was super rainy. It was dark. And you just mostly had like cuts of uh, the penguin or um, Pattinson in the car, just like screaming at it. And (laughs) you don't really know where they're going, where they're driving. Occasionally you see them drive through something. Mm -hmm. But I'm not saying it was bad. And I know that that was like a very popular scene with it. Some people said it was like their favorite chase scene ever. Okay, I get what you're saying. For me, it was okay. You know, I agree with you and then I disagree with you. (laughs) because the first time i
1: saw it i felt exactly the same i told my wife and we're like yeah you know most chase scenes are boring so i did appreciate you know they do a lot of subjective angles and it really did like i'm sure even being a little confused i was confused the first time and i was like Mm -hmm. it was exciting at least like i don't know what happened but i was exciting it was interesting (laughs) (laughs) so the second time i watched it and i was like paying attention to the geography because Mm. as you said like sometimes they're driving wait they're backward on the freeway now they just drove through a wall what's going on But the second time, because I knew what the story was and I knew all like, I don't have to like watch for just explosions. I watched for geography and the second viewing, I found it super clear and I was like, oh, I can appreciate this even more now. So for anybody that was maybe a little confused, if you get a chance to go watch it again, watch it with geography in mind. And I think Matt Reeves does a really good job. Just there is so much stuff going on and it is quite exciting again with the subjective angles that if you're not actively pursuing the geography of the chase in your mind, it
0: can just turn into what the
1: wait whoa where this where this truck come from why is it on fire?
0: So note to people listening: bring a map and draw <laughs> it in the theater because that's what Ronald did. He no, drew it, a literal peng- map of <laughs> Gotham. No, if you're watching it
1: and you keep in mind that okay, they're starting at the seawall on the docks, so that means they're on fronted streets <laughs> near the port. So port streets are all small, so that's why this it starts there, and then Penguin goes up the freeway on the wrong way that's why batman has to detour and come around and then batman slams through the divider because he's on the wrong side of the freeway then as they're driving they pull off and then they enter downtown gotham where the streets are more crowded and that's when they get stuck in the pileup. then penguin brake checks a uh 18 wheeler to cause a uh chain reaction of cars crashing that batman has to try to weave in and out of finally resulting in a gas tanker flipping and exploding and at that moment a uh tow truck skids out of the way so batman lines up his car with it hits the jet booster ramps off the tow truck through the exploding gas tanker and that's where he lands and we see the badass upside down view of him walking out of the flaming car
0: you didn't have to convince me Ronald. well now
1: everybody you. knows the geography because i just gave it to you <laughs> yo
0: bitch <laughs> well so briefly touched on this before with this being the second year version origin story and that was actually something that i heard today it was I know we talked about it before, but uh, Screen Crush and him kind of making fun of <laughs> the uh, Batman versus Superman, where we have literally seen the origin of Batman too many times. We yeah. already know. We know what happens. That's uh, hence my joke of the uh, premise yes. of this movie. Yeah, that's yes. pretty funny. I thought it was, yeah. I deserve credit. <laughs> well, they kind of took the Spider-Man homecoming approach with this, where it kind of just brushes over it. We know stuff happened. Um, just like with Spider-Man, we know got, he had the spider bite, he's Spider-Man already. With this being a year two story, what do you feel like were some of the benefits of having that already set? And I'm hoping people listening or people going to go see it, that they knew that too. I think uh, even if people weren't expecting
1: to miss the origin, I feel like they, even casuals probably didn't notice that they didn't say it. Because I talked about this on last week's episode of Back Day, all about Batman, that later this year, I'm sorry, later this month, is Batman's uh 89th anniversary so people know his story and they've known it for all of their lives probably all their parents lives and some of their grandparents lives Batman (laughs) came out six months after my grandmother was born so it's so ingrained in your your memory and in the 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 collective lexicon that we don't need to be told that just like with Spider-Man you don't need to be told what happened for everyone to just know like I hope the next Superman movie doesn't have him as a kid like we know it we get it you
0: know I think that even plays into uh, where we'll see Batman in the future with all the detective side. Mm-hmm. It's not that he's the best, the world's best detective yet, but he's learning. And he's working on and, it. and Yeah, he's working on it. And you see how that plays through at the beginning where he's looking at stuff. He has to go home. He has to go analyze mm-hmm. it with all his gadgets. God, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I did think that the contact thing was pretty cool. I, and I just wish and that replay. the
1: contact uh, cameras would have turned his irises all white. So we'd had comic book white eyed Batman. I thought that was a missed opportunity, but I think that'll be coming. Yeah. (laughs) The other thing about skipping through the origin as I think it helped, this is a long movie. It's just about three hours, but it helped Mm -hmm. keep the pace going, right? We started in median res instead of starting with a little boy. And he said, we literally started with Batman on patrol. And the same night, the same moment he's on patrol, he sees the bat signal and the movie starts. It just is going. And I think I counted, it's like 75 minutes in. Before they stop that immediate like cascade of events to go to that funeral, so for that first hour fifteen, they're not worried about well, we need to find out who Bruce is and what's Batman's deal. We know what Batman's deal is. Start the movie, mm-hmm. and before you know it, you're an hour deep, and you're like,
0: oh my god, this is this is freaking killing it. You're getting to the good parts quicker, yeah, and brushing over the things that we already know. I think it it literally just sets it up for all the stuff that we we potentially want to see more of we wanted to see more of the development we want to see more of the character development which i think is the biggest strength of this movie yeah like and
1: within the first
0: seven minutes we know pretty
1: much everything there is to know about this batman right he gives us a little voiceover then we see he, he talks about how he approaches criminals and then we see how he physically deals with them and then we see his relationship with gordon and the cops all within the first under 10 minutes Yeah. And that's what
0: you're saying, like the pace and everything. It's just character development and a good story. Let's go. Yeah. That is actually a good segue here as we talk about now Robert Pattinson's take on Batman. Mm -hmm. And I will say, and I know that I mentioned before, good acting, yada, yada. And how I said even in prior episodes of this podcast that I was very hesitant with uh, Pattinson being Batman because uh, I still do not think he's the best actor. (laughs) And... (laughs) In my opinion, he kind of got the treatment uh, that I talked about in previous episodes with like Keanu. Is Keanu the best actor? <laughs> I love Keanu, and he can kick my ass. Absolutely, uh, do I think he he's can. the best? <laughs> do I think he's the best actor? No, but when you play to his strengths, mm-hmm. where you limit his dialogue and you have him more in action, yeah, Keanu's great in movies, and I think that that this version of Batman and playing to Rob Pattinson's strengths. With the dialogue of it, I think I heard somewhere that this was probably the Batman with the least amount of dialogue in it from him, from Batman. I would say but this is the Batman who speaks the most, but the Bruce Wayne who speaks the least. Yeah. and But the strength? looking good yeah. and his smoldering looks <laughs> throughout it yeah we get plenty of that yeah, man. and he's batman for 95% of this movie
1: he's not you barely ever see him put on the bruce wayne costume
0: oh i I' like even said that it. that's the bruce wayne costume cuz he cuz he is batman yeah he is man
1: uh, there's a fun <laughs> clip from um a batman beyond where batman is being mind controlled by somebody and he breaks his way out and Terry McGinnis the batman beyond says how did you know that like the mind control thing, like the reality they put you in wasn't real. He's like, because in this reality, the voice in my head was calling me Bruce. And he says, well, what do you, <laughs> what did this voice in your head call yourself? And he just looks at him and looks at the Batsuit. By the way, that was my terrible Kevin Conroy impersonation. Nice. Uh, what do you think about the no Batman voice? I liked it. i it, there was a voice, like he dropped his voice quite a bit. And I, it makes a lot of sense because Bruce Wayne basically doesn't exist, right? No one talks to him. No one mm-hmm. knows him. So mm-hmm. you actually hear it when he's calling about Alfred, right? He goes, Hey, something terrible is going to happen. And then she goes, something mm-hmm. already did. And he goes, and then hangs up like his voice, his <laughs> voice will drop. And it's not like doing a voice, but it's like mm-hmm. the difference between, you know, when you're talking to your friends versus when you talk to like your little cousin, like his Bruce Wayne voice is kind of up here. And he just like, <laughs> you know, he just talk like when he's Bruce Wayne in public, he kind of talks up here and just talks like a normal guy. When he's Batman, he just kind of talks down here, right? He's just serious. He, and most mm-hmm. of the time he's even whispering because he doesn't
0: want you to hear him. So when he's yeah. like you know, he lies still.
1: Like he's not doing a voice and he's not not doing a voice.
0: Interesting. Interesting take. I'll agree. I, I hey I want to see something different. <laughs> I think that was kind of the approach I had to it. I want to see something different. Yeah, and I think that is just a good movie. That is
1: one thing that was almost universally maligned about um, Christian Bale's take. And one thing that pretty much everybody doesn't like and the only thing everybody doesn't like was his voice. <laughs> and we get, the, we get the impetus there, right? It has to be different because his Bruce Wayne was very well-known. But I think just where it ended up was a little cartoonish. Uh, the thing about Robert Pattinson's casting or Robert Castington, as I like to call it, Um, something I mentioned on last week's episode of back day where I talk all about Batman and it's that people were upset because he's a guy from twilight, right? He can't act and this and that. But again, Warner brothers invested hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars into this movie, into this franchise, into all of the accompanying merchandise and et cetera. They knew that we knew he was a guy from twilight. So they saw something in him and particularly in him and his relationship to this this uh, text and this universe that Mary's created that nobody else had, right? They were like, this is the guy and he's going to do it. And he's going to re- make a return on our hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollar investment. So we got, like I said, you got to be kind of open-minded when you see this stuff, especially with that much money on the line, they're going to try to
0: make their money back. So they're going to not shit the bed if possible. I'm just going to segue this to our next one with one that you kind of hinted at already and one that was my a big walk away for myself was that i'm interested in the relationship between alfred and bruce moving forward mm-hmm. i mean andy circus his cast has alfred and we all know he's a great actor we love him in a variety of roles but you don't really see him that much there's not that connection um you do sense that i mean the one scene that they have together in the hospital that where they really bring it. Yeah, it's super powerful, see, well acted. He, yeah, Andy Serkis brings it, but that relationship and even you get a little hint of Andy Serkis is the one that trained him, mm. but I think that'll be an interesting topic to dive into with his background, this version of Alfred, and then the relationship with Thomas Wayne, that yeah. story comes up uh, you know, throughout the movie, and even how he feels towards Bruce and kind of being that father figure.
1: Yeah, it was cool to see more of the badass kind of uh, Earth One style um, Alfred that wasn't hired on to be a butler. He kind of became that because he was helped raising his his friend and employer's son, but he was there to be security. Right. Because, yeah. you know, they, it makes more sense and it is more helpful story wise that this guy can is pretty handy. Um, but I really did think, like you said, the moment in the hospital was very powerful. And I'd like that. Again, yeah. we talked about seeing the it's not an origin story, but we see a lot of origins, So in this movie we don't see a lot of Bruce Wayne but by the end he's people are telling him like Bruce Wayne should help the city more and he sees how his mm-hmm. father tried and failed and he sees how Batman is coming short when people are, are misinterpreting his message and using it to just do whatever the hell they want so we see the origin of the Bruce Wayne philanthropist persona who maybe can do some good in, in the daytime and we also see the origin of his close relationship with Alfred that we all know so well because he's yeah. kind of shocked by what happens and he realizes okay i i don't i can't just be The Batman, like there has to be a person in there, or else I can't do what I need to do because the humanity is what's going to help me do the right thing and not just become another
0: Riddler or another one of his zealots. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's one of the things that I feel is a big theme of the movie is the the realization of who he is. I mean, there's a scene with him and Alfred with the whole cuffling scene Mm -hmm. where Alfred actually has Wayne cufflings on, and Bruce doesn't have any cufflings (laughs) on because he doesn't he doesn't know how to be bruce wayne the um you know the billionaire playboy yet he he hasn't developed that yet he's still trying to figure out who bruce wayne is who who his family is and his role with all those pieces mm-hmm. and all he really knows right now is batman and he's still trying to develop that role going forward mm-hmm. his fighting style how he uses his gadgets all these pieces how he becomes a How becomes a better detective so i think those are all pieces that we all want to see more of and that they'll definitely expand on too with uh i think the family part i think is such a fascinating angle that we don't really see much of thomas wayne or even the the part with his mom with his mom Mm -hmm. and um i'm trying to remember that angle in the movie oh where i thought that was the arkham family yeah that i mean that's something that i was like what like can we see more of that? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, another piece that that I walked out and I said I really liked it was the whole Gordon relationship. In previous versions of Batman, sometimes you just see Gordon, uh, Commissioner Gordon, just flip on some random small screen and he's like, and he's telling about some villain that Batman needs to go take down, and you don't really get a relationship between them. I liked how they were working together, and this was something that when you start to see them interact, that it was something that's already kind of established in their first year together, mm-hmm. that they a whole working together and building that trust up. So they already have that trust built up. Yeah. They even say and in the movies, like, do you trust anybody? And Gordon says, well, I trust you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's not Lieutenant or he's not a uh, commissioner Gordon yet. He's Lieutenant. Mm-hmm. And, when it even ends, he's not even Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. There is somebody else stepping into that role. So like that, that was even a difference there between this version and the Nolan version. And even the the sign or the signal that goes up, the bat signal that Gordon created, it's one of those things where it's a call that, uh, I mean, I think in previous versions, it's on the top of um, the, uh, the police, what is it called? The precinct. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's just in some abandoned building. Another abandoned renewal building site. But what did you think about that relationship? I thought it was cool. And I I really liked their interaction. I thought
1: Jeffrey Wright, again, acted his ass off. And I'm really excited to see how it progresses. And if Jeffrey
0: Wright has a daughter named Barbara to become Batgirl. Well, next piece here that we're going to talk about, because it's a big one, Mm -hmm. with... Us talking about origins and this time being an origin story, I feel like both Ronald and I have already said that many times, but it, it's an origin for some of these villains. So the villains in this is is big. I mean, there's the Red Penguin, Catwoman, uh, Falcone, and so the, many. The Joker that, cameo. Yeah, the Joker cameo. With that Joker cameo, and I'm sure this was on purpose, all
1: four of the like costumed villains that appear in this movie or are the same four that appear in Batman, the movie with Adam West from the 1960s. So Mm. that was a nice little Easter egg that Matthew Reeves did
0: for me. (laughs) Specifically you. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's kick it off with the big one, Riddler. Mm -hmm. And in my head, and I know that already a lot of people have talked about the whole Jim Carrey and Jim Carrey holds a big big, uh, part in their heart. And I know that you are one of those people that loves Jim Carrey. Don't forget about Frank Gorsham. And with this version- That's the guy who played him in the 1960s movie. With uh, this version of the Riddler- uh, was a, a combo of people in my head. The whole Z- Zodiac element. Um, I did see, I feel like a little bit of a splash of like Heath's Joker in there. A little bit of um, Saw, of Jigsaw from Saw. Yeah, yeah. And I like this. I thought the scary element with the live streams and the use of the dark forums yeah. to radicalize his followers. I mean, I thought talk about stuff going on now. Oh yeah, talk about real incels, realistic. real, uh, real <laughs> stuff going on yeah i thought it was pretty pretty scary Dude, in my opinion it's funny you think? for me the
1: scariest moment was when batman says you won't be remembered you're gonna die namelessly everyone else and he just starts screaming like a child like that's been had her favorite toy taken from him. i thought that was so haunting and like it was riveting i was like in paul dano man this guy crushes it can you believe him he came all the way from girl next door to this that's incredible
0: so tyler what other <laughs> villains do we have in this this uh this movie so penguin now um I personally just thought it was a fun take uh, and I mean just to see the spin off. He's not in it too much. I think it was a little bit of comedic relief at some points and uh but I mean I know you already said it that just the prosthetics that were used in it just fantastic no, no. and that's what everybody talked about even in the um the trailers that came out is you just can't recognize Colin Farrell in that and it's so true even when he's they have like zoom ups on his face. You're just looking at like, you're looking for something. That makeup artist has to win an
1: Oscar. That was incredible. It doesn't like you, there's no seams. There's no like weird wrinkling. Yeah. I really did like his performance too. I thought it was a little, like it was a little different. It was a little kitschier, but I think Mm -hmm. this was just like the most, the guy who's always wanted to be in the mob his whole life because he's always been a bit of an outcast. This is where he found his, like his niche. So he's like the most Mm -hmm. mob guy of all time where he's like, I'll paint Mm -hmm. (laughs) you. And I I really liked him being the mob guy. Because Danny DeVito, all-time great legend, obviously. But he didn't play a mob mm-hmm. guy. He was just a weird monster guy. So it was cool seeing him as a mob guy. And I I don't know if anybody else caught this. But in my mind, he kind of looked like the Danny DeVito uh, penguin just a little bit. I think that was on purpose mm-hmm. as well. I really liked his performance. And I'm super interested to see um, in Batman 2 when he's taken over the entire city.
0: And what that's going to be like. Yeah, agree. I mean, with uh, Falcone getting shot at the end. Mm-hmm. And that opportunity opening for somebody to take over. How does his character grow? And I think we'll see some of that in the spinoff yeah. as well and see how that character grows. So very interesting to see that. Next one is Catwoman. Really, and she's not really... She's not Catwoman yet. She's Selena Kyle. World's well,
1: Greatest Cat Burglar.
0: Yes, but uh, seeing that connection between Batman, I thought that was such a, a good... It's not really a spin, but that relationship mm. that just how they interacted on screen. I believed it. Yeah. You agree. I thought they had wonderful chemistry. One, yeah. one detraction that my wife
1: brought up that I didn't really notice was how quickly they brushed aside that the girl she's living with. We were, we're meant to assume was her girlfriend I that has too. been murdered. And then she's just really ready to kiss um, Batman. So in my head, maybe I think that's her way of manipulating him into helping her, mm-hmm. but still it was a little soon, but I thought she was phenomenal. And one of the, the, Interesting things like they they do so much work in this movie without having to tell you that one of the ways that they scale Batman's abilities, right? You see him fight thugs or whatever, but you also see Catwoman very easily beat up like two or three grown men, right? Mm-hmm. But then when she tries to fight Batman, she cannot hit him. She doesn't land one blow. And at one point she's trying to hit him. He holds down both of her hands with one hand while he looks at the passport. And it's just that subtle way of showing like, oh, okay, Batman is really, really next level. He's not just some guy that can fight. He's the guy who can fight. Yeah. I thought that yeah. was really fun. And her whole storyline, I thought they gave her the most to do that she's ever had to do. She was the most comic accurate being like a uh, cat burglar and a, a, somebody that's had to work for work in the streets and do all kinds of crazy stuff to try to make her ends meet because, you know, she's had to uh, to hustle
0: and do all kinds of crazy stuff. And it was really cool. And I really like Zoe yeah. Kravitz's performance. Yeah. I think the only part that uh, my wife and I, we're thinking about at the end with with her was, well, she was holding a cat. What? How does she ride the bike with the cats on the side? But I was just thinking about those poor cats just riding on the side of the motorcycle. A, I was thinking just about being right next to the wheels. I was
1: wondering, so what's Tyler going to think about like the 30 cats she left at that apartment? Is he going to go try to get them?
0: Yeah. <laughs> all she did was take two of them. Yeah. You can't take just two. You got to take them all. But we'll uh, <laughs> move to the next all one with right. Falcone. and um, I personally thought he wasn't as prevalent in it, but Definitely, I like John Turturro. Mm-hmm. Um, I like him as an actor. And the whole storyline with Selena and Bruce's storyline, both of those and how they he intertwined, how he was a pretty key element of the whole story in the end with him being helped by Thomas Wayne and then that turning into the blackmailing mm-hmm. um, with the reporter. Nice twist, and element between... He's involved with Selena, and he's also a big part of Bruce's storyline. Yeah, line. it was a good way to make sure that like we said everything had his place
1: and wasn't forced. And now I'm going to bring up what I was talking about with Hush. Now, Hush's name is Thomas Elliott, son of Eddie Elliott, who Falcone killed for Thomas Wayne. And when they're looking through the uh, archives about Edward Elliott, it literally says Hush and Hush money over the top. So mm. they're setting up that Hush is going to be showing up. That's why I tried to not answer, but you make me. And Matt yes. Reeves has even said one of his favorite villains that he would like to have show up very soon is Thomas Elliot Hush. Uh, the other thing I really liked about John Turturro's Falcone is he he looks like an older version of one of my my cousins on my dad's side of the family. Okay
0: well, I will say with the <laughs> the hush character, I believe I've read somewhere that matt reeves' um screenwriting um Either professor or mentor, that he was one of the authors of the Hush storyline. Mm-hmm. So that was why a lot of those Hush elements were mixed in. And I'm sure it was just a lot of a nod to somebody that Mendel on his life. That's fun. Oh man, I can't reach it, but I have Batman Hush right here, hardcover.
1: Uh, And I would read the authors, but I can't get up there. But Jim Lee did the art on that as well. It's one of my favorite Batman designs. Um, Okay, moving on. Music. I love this score. I like that it almost sounded like the Imperial March, uh, Darth Vader's music. And I love that it took the notes and the familiar timbres of the Batman 89 and the uh, some of the older themes and kind of brought it into this dark brooding thing. One of my favorite things that happens musically is after the first scene where we hear a few times when he walks in the crime scene, it turns and playing the same exact chords on an acoustic guitar. And then that fades up into something in the way by Nirvana. And I thought it was. Beautiful musical transition to kind of keep you in the mood and show Batman's edge hardened from the way he presents to the criminals to the more
0: uh, reserved demeanor he has when he walks into the crime scene. Yeah, I think that, uh, I mean, with the best example I can give is a, something that reminds you of something previous with like Batman's, but a nice mix on it that is new, it's different. I mean, that's kind of what I feel like with like the Mandalorian and the. Oh man, I'm I'm trying to blank on the uh, person that scores it, Ludwig. Gor- oh, uh, Ludwig Göransson.
1: You know, he yes. actually is longtime collaborator and producer for Childish Gambino, and
0: he did all the music for Community. Mm, well, his spin on Star Wars themes, th- music, all that kind of stuff, I feel like was what Star Wars people want now. They want they want to be reminded. Of what came in the past. But that want something new. Something different. And I feel like that's kind of what we got with this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, we're moving on now to deleted scenes. And potential things that you've heard. I've heard. Um, or the one piece I'm going to touch on. Is with the whole online. Uh, Rada Lada. The website. Mm-hmm. And all the hints that are in it. Um, I've not had a chance to go on there. But I've seen breakdowns of it. Uh, would Have you gone on there at, at all?
1: No, but I've, I've seen the breakdowns and stuff. And it looks interesting. I, they're definitely hinting at stuff that's going to be showing up in the spinoffs and in the future. Yeah. And I like that they're, they're keeping it active. So like, yeah, hopefully they'll do like a surprise drop of one of the series. And like, you find out if you're on (laughs) Ralata lot
0: and you don't, if you ain't, (laughs) I think it's a fun way to engage the fans. I think it creates the buzz around Batman, Mm -hmm. uh, something that's outside of the theater. So it's cool. I think it's cool what they're doing. Um, I'm sure we'll see a lot more deleted scenes. As we get closer to uh, the release of it on a DVD or on um, online. But uh, I mean, I heard that it started at a four hour cut. And I know that some people want things to be shorter, but the way I always say it is that I don't care how long it is. If it's something good, I'll watch four hours. I don't care. Exactly. And <laughs> especially when I can watch it the at same home. Approach. <laughs> yeah, the same approach with this. If I like it, I'm going to watch four hours, not like the freaking. Oh, what was that? <laughs> that Scorsese movie that came out on Netflix? The Irishman. <laughs> oh my! It took me like five times just to watch it, and it was so just drawn out. But Batman, <laughs> yeah, I'll watch four hours yeah, of Batman. I watched
1: thirty hours of Batman. I don't give a shit. I watched, <laughs> I watched all of Zack Snyder's Justice League when it premiered at midnight, <laughs> even though that's four hours long. I tried to at least. I got three hours in, and I couldn't stay awake, so I watched, I rewatched the back half when I woke up in the morning. But I'll watch it, dude. I don't give a s um, so speaking of deleted scenes, have you heard about the deleted Joker scene? That was actually the setup to their conversation at the end. No, but, uh, please jump in. Okay. So, uh, along the, that first stretch of mystery stuff. So you, we, like we said, we see Batman take, uh, evidence home to analyze it. And he's going up here and there. And one of the things that he was set to do was to silence of the lamb style, visit Arkham asylum to talk to somebody who had compulsive needs to, uh, leave like themed, uh, clues and like had this uh, theatrical style of crime doing and whatnot. So he went there to profile with somebody who was a uh, to profile the Riddler via speaking to a high-profile criminal who he'd already caught. And we mm. were going to see that proto Joker, and he's going to try mm. to interrogate him and get nothing out of him and decide this is worthless and then leave. For what it's worth, for me, I'm glad they re- removed it at least from the theatrical cut because um, because have you ever heard of the uh, screenwriting idea or the storytelling idea of Chekhov's gun? Well, the the saying goes that if you point out a gun hanging over the mantle in act one of a story, that booker better grow off by act three or don't waste our time pointing it out. So you don't bring in the Joker in act one just to have him tell say, hey, how's it going by act three? If you did that, everyone would expect the Joker to have been behind it, right? Or him to show up yeah. and do something crazy. So to leave it in there would have detracted from the story and i appreciate that that they put story first and yeah i the little cameo was kind of nice i thought it was a little ham-fisted and as i said before barry cogan's brother tweeted about it and ruined it last august but i'm glad they did that and they trimmed it down to keep the movie tight and and keep the narrative tight i don't care about a long movie but if the narrative is shitty shorten it till it's not
0: yeah and you're right if they would have had Whatever version of the Joker in the beginning, it would have detracted from stuff. People would have want to know more, yep. and I mean that's in a way they kind of created some buzz too, which is having a little little piece of it. Because now people are wanting to see whatever this version is in the future. They want to know what is the story, how was he caught, <laughs> why is he in there, what is it, what is his current status like, yeah. all this stuff that they didn't even didn't even show his full face. Yeah. And now people want to see what's coming up in the next the next movie. So I think they did they did the right thing. Yep. Uh, well let's segue it now to the last part of this review. And I know it's been a long one. Hopefully it's been entertaining, but our Batman tier list. Ooh. I think it's already obvious that we both recommend the movie. Both think that you should go see it. So no point in going into that. But <laughs> let's now go through our uh review of our tier list and let's go so are we going to talk about our favorite batman or our favorite batman movies batman movies Mm. so i have nine on my list ranked um and i know that we actually and this is actually where i have to point this out because it's very rare that ron will share with me after a movie Mm -hmm. if he liked it or not he often makes me wait till we record which is crazy because we text Every single day. Yeah, but I want to be—I want to keep it fresh no. for the people. Same reason I hate rehearsing. I only no. rehearse they, for
1: stuff for other people's sake. Daddy likes no. spontaneity. And no. speaking of spontaneity, we're only ranking the top three. Let's go. What's your number one? What's your number
0: three? Well, no, we can't do ah! three because, because they're going to literally be the same. What? <laughs> they're literally, okay, I know well, then, I already know then, they're the then. same. <laughs> well, what is your number one? We'll start at the top. My number one favorite not favorite um the
1: movie i think is the best batman movie is batman begins the reason this takes number one even over the dark knight is because the dark knight isn't a batman movie it's a movie about (laughs) it's about justice it's about chaos it's about the joker most of all and it's not about batman batman begins is entirely about batman
0: Mm. i just watched batman begins recently uh, but dark knight is my number one Mm. Two is batman Begins. so do we have the same three z
1: so number two is
0: the batman for me oh
1: because again whoa it is a batman movie whereas the dark knight is a batman universe movie
0: but the batman is much more about batman interesting move there that's i think that's already pretty big there yeah (laughs) i think it's up at number two
1: and i i feel very strongly like i i don't have any caveats i don't have any um I don't have any misgivings about putting it above Dark Knight. For the reason I said, as far as a pure Batman movie, it is
0: more Batman-ly. I, I mean, when I walked out, and I think this is what I texted you, that I don't know if it was that night or it's the next day. It's just I just, being a Nolanite, that I can't put it <laughs> ahead of Dark Knight and Batman mm-hmm. Begins. But I will put it ahead of Dark Knight Rises. Even though I like Dark Knight Rises, mm. I'll put it above that at number three. Yeah. And number four. But uh, where does everything else rank for you? Everything what else you ranks forward? below that. What do you have at four?
1: Four, uh, you know what's crazy? I really love Michael Keaton, and I do like his Batman, but I don't like those movies.
0: <laughs>
1: I would honestly, uh, I don't even know. After that, it's all they're all tied for last because hmm. I like to the leave. Only, I like to leave
0: room in the middle. The pieces that my wife actually made me swap. She didn't make me, but she convinced me to do it. Is that I grew up actually on. Batman Forever, Batman and Robin. I love I don't, Batman I Forever. I didn't own the first two Batman's, Batman and Batman Returns, so I rarely saw them. Only if maybe they were on like TBS randomly, but I had the VHSs of Batman and Robin and Batman mm-hmm. Forever, so I watched the crap out of those. And so, like bad acting, dude. Oh, and- don't even talk about Batman Forever. Okay, <laughs> I re- I went to go see
1: Batman Forever three times in the theaters, and it came out four days before my fourth birthday. Me and my dad wanted to go see it so much. And I was like, "I because I love Batman. Obviously, I love James Carey. And oh, my God. I just, uh, I'll just watch it again. I'll watch it right now. Tell me I
0: won't. I've really, well, watched it in the last couple months. Well, but I'm, I put I'm those watching actually now, had a, so I got to go. I put it above Batman Returns and Batman. Mm-hmm. And then last on there, I put Batman vs. Superman. Mm-hmm. For that specific reason. Yeah. But, uh, that um, That wraps up our review, our main set of Batman. Go see it go see it two times ron will probably see it three four times Mm -hmm. and let's come back let's bring it to two bills guys let's
1: bring two billion dollars out of this guy (laughs) ready and break well we're moving now into no no i got our last sets i got this wow tyler that review was awesome but it was a little long so long it almost made me say wtf now was there anything
0: this week that made you say wtf Well, it wasn't this (laughs) week that my (laughs) that my WTF moment happened because I was sick. Mm. It actually happened last week, and my WTF moment has nothing to even do with a movie. Has nothing to do with a film. Anything. It has to do with airport etiquette. Oh my god! (laughs) Make it make it spicy for this to make the WTF moment. And I'm just going to share a little background to this: is that I don't like to fly. And I'm one of those people that gets drugged up and I get Xanax. Tolly mm-hmm. so Percocets. Literally, you could say the, the meanest things to my face and I'll just keep smiling at you. That's literally how I am at the airport. Like I'm going through, even though I am pre-check, I'm just going through it. They could let us say, Oh, sorry. Like this doesn't take a little longer. I'll just keep smiling. I literally don't care. And so we're at the airport. And first of all, this girl starts throwing a fit because her luggage that she brought that they were enforcing the rules on it. So her bag was too big and they were saying, okay, if you can't get this down, we're gonna, you're going to have to check it. No, she's throwing a fit and, and she's saying, it's only at this airport that you they, they enforce this on me. Nowhere else. So first of all, if you know that they're going to enforce on you, why don't you just bring less stuff or bring a different bag? <laughs> Five minutes later, this same woman... Is taking selfies at her seat, literally taking selfies mm-hmm. at her seat as we're waiting for the plane uh, to get here. And then it gets even more. Then she starts FaceTiming so everybody could hear her. Oh hell everybody yeah! Everybody could hear. Her. I'm just, my mind is literally blown. And remind you, I'm on my Xanax. It's already kicked in, and I'm supposed to be super happy. No, this woman is infuriating me as I'm seeing her over here. So I bring all this up to say when you're flying. Get your head. Get your head together. Get your head space right. Get if your somebody, life
1: right. Get right with Jesus before you get know on Tyler's plane.
0: If if you are one of these people that throws a fit at the airport because it's not tailored to you, that you have to follow the rules, all this kind of stuff, just don't take the plane. Yeah, man. Go do something else. There's other ways to get there. More like airport because you're being a little piggy. There you go. Yeah. That's my WTF moment. Heck yeah, bud. Cooling down a little bit more here and going into what are we watching And my list has actually grown since then, but I'm going to run through them quickly while Ron listens. finish Pam and Tommy. Uh, Oh, man, you're way ahead of me then. (laughs) I watched the Netflix's Worst Roommate Ever miniseries. Mm. That's pretty quick to go through and just mind-boggling. Just straight up mind-boggling when you watch it. You'll be (laughs) literally scratching your head. Um, I started the series on HBO, the Lakers series, just because I like the Lakers. Oh, yeah, I want to watch that. I'm not a big fan of Adam McKay, but uh, I love the Lakers, so I got to watch it. And other than that, oh, one more thing that I'm going to throw out there for people to watch. If you liked uh, Storage Wars at all, mm-hmm. check out check out Swap Shop. Mm-hmm. It's very similar concept to Storage Wars. Fascinating. Wife and I binged watch it over the weekend and they're quick. They're fun to watch. <laughs> Ronald, what are you watching right now? Uh, what I'm watching, I finally got a chance to finish Rick and Morty.
1: I thought it was a solid end to the season. It was interesting that they finally embraced uh, some serialized storytelling. and They brought it back. They brought back some old stuff. They revealed some mysteries. And I'm excited to see what happens in season six. It's a lot of S noises. I did watch Death on the Nile. I just didn't say it earlier because I wanted to with you. <laughs> I thought it was good. It wasn't as well paced as the first. It took a little while longer to get into the mystery. But once it did get going, it was fun. And it was a good time. I love Murder Mysteries. I'm rewatching Entourage. And I tell you what, it makes you really want to yell obscenities at people. Stuff you're not allowed to say. Um, uh, Just (laughs) just for reference, Tyler's been rewatching it. But in secret, and he's also been yelling a lot of things at his personal assistant, Lloyd. Um, I slept through three quarters (laughs) of episode one of Impeachment, American Crime Story. What I saw was very good. They found a way to make Sarah Paulson even more annoying. Uh, She's playing Linda Tripp. And uh, she's just
0: the worst. And that's what I'm watching. Nice. Nice. Take us to <laughs> our our full cool down here with your <gasps> post-workout takeaway. All right. We are post-workout. We're cooling
1: it down. Uh, if I'm lucky, I'll go hit some shoulders and biceps after this. But I got to cool down from podcasting mode. And one of the best ways to do that is to take a fitness takeaway. So this week, I wanna be positive. Tyler says I'm always negative. And I say I'm optimist prime. I'm so (laughs) optimistic, it's out of control. And I wanna talk about today about control, right? One of the things that can be very helpful to your psyche and to your health is being in the gym and trying to be healthy, even if I don't care what you weigh. I don't care how you look. I want you to feel good. Hopefully you move well. Hopefully your health markers are in check, but as long as you're feeling good and you can do the things you want to do, that's what's most important. And that's what's so great about health and fitness is you can take control of at least one aspect of your life. So if you're in the gym or you're at home doing workouts or just doing what it takes to make sure that you feel good and you can move well and you can enjoy your life, you can take back some control. I know right now there's a lot of scary stuff in the world and it's easy to feel like you have no say over that. And health and fitness is one of the few ways that we can actually take control and be in charge. So I hope you take that away. I hope you take care of yourselves. That's my takeaway. Be goal. in charge. Be in charge. Be in charge. How about you try one of those up high, bud? I can't. That's, that's as, <laughs> as my voice char- goes. Ugh. My voice like squeaked or. Definitely peaked there, Ronald. Uh, I've been, I haven't even begun to peak. You'll know when I peak. <laughs> okay. So do you have any insights on my takeaway besides singing?
0: I just like the be in charge part. All right. So
1: Valencia is that all we got today. That's all we got. Great episode here. Great episode. Big dog. It's good being back with you. We got to figure out something to talk about next week. Thank you, Tyler, for being here. And it has been good chit chatting about the big bad bat. And thank you so much. Every single one of you for listening to this and taking time out of your day. You could have been anywhere in the whole world, but you're here with us. And we appreciate that. Please be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and just follow us on the street at movie buffs underscore podcast. And if you like this episode, share it, subscribe and leave us a five star review, because if you don't, Tyler's going to find you. Uh, Those reviews really help spread the word and help keep these podcast mics hot. Check out the links in the description to find the latest episode of Back Day, all about Batman, to find our episodes about Suicide Squad and Spider-Man, and we cover everything and I talk way too much in all of them. You're going to freaking love it. Be sure to join us next week when we talk all about quantum entanglement, quarks, and the likelihood of our universe existing at infinitum in the unlimited numbers of configuration thanks to string theory. Stay buff, my friends. See you next time. Bye.
0: Feeling inspired by hosts Ron and Tyler to work on your health? The Movie Buffs podcast is brought to you by Time to Train Fitness. Use the link in the description to view all the membership options and to start a free five-day trial. Get ready to press play on your next workout.